Welcome to the Finclusive Podcast, where we believe investing in diversity is not just good for society, but a competitive advantage that impact and return are not mutually exclusive. We talk with underestimated founders and funders on how they're creating new markets around the world. Welcome! Third time is the charm. <laughs> for those of you who didn't know, we uh, actually I we already did this for us a few times. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Beer and dinner at this point. <laughs> yeah, when I go to the Bay Area to visit my brother, I'll buy you a dinner. Maybe I'll make him buy you a coffee as well. But, yeah. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> But I'll introduce you to more startup, then we'll pay back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> it's always good to,、um, you know, exchange deal flows. I'm gonna start with one of our values that we recently、uh, created with our team, which is transparency.、Um, mm-hmm. With regarding to transparency, how important do you think it is、um, for a startup to be transparent? As a founder myself, who has also raised money from investor, I strongly believe that being transparent is very high up on the priority list. Yeah, because you don't want your investors to hear about bad things about your company from someone else. You know, especially I live in Silicon Valley. The circle here is very small. You know, and. People talk about startups here all the time, and if you're not transparent, especially for、uh, me as an investor now on the the other side of the table, when we do due diligence,、um, when we reach out to your current investors, and you're not being transparent, it's it's very hard to avoid some bad news that's coming out. So I would say being transparent is very important. Yeah. Do you have any? Any example of this happen to I don't know anything reg- regarding that、yes. regarding transparency that happened? Yeah, yeah. so、uh, I would say probably a year and a half ago, I met with this company where、uh, I was really、um, amazed at their growth, and at the same time, I really like the space a lot.、Uh, I met the founder, we had a great meeting, and then the next step. You know, usually is due diligence, right? Looking at the financials, the go-to-market strategies, and talking to set references like current clients and current investors. And、um, so happened that、um, the, the startups investors also invested in my company in the past. So I reached out to them, and they actually not just one, a few of them actually just told me.、Uh, A lot of negative stuff about the company and the founder, and they highly encouraged me not to invest. Oh wow! And you so, didn't know, and the founder hid all that from you. Yeah, so that's an example. Like you know,、um, whether it's good news, bad news, or ugly news, always be transparent with your investors because their investors are there to help you. They're not there to hurt you. I mean, they want to make money at the end of the day. You know. Once you're being transparent, they will be able to know how what's the best way to help you.、Um, so that incident itself, I literally had to walk away from that investment, even though I believe that you know the mark the the market is really huge. But I walked away. 
if if that founder had been um, open about it with you, do you think it would make a difference? It would have made a difference. Yes, yes. Especially early stage, you know,、um, like you and I, we invest in early stage. There's very little metrics to depend on, right,、yeah. or to rely on, and a lot of it is really. Soft skills, right? It's like a gut check. Do you trust the founder? Do you trust the market? It's really a lot of trust. And if the trust is not there as the core foundation, it's very difficult to build a relationship with the founder for the next what seven to ten years. Yeah. So the other day when I was interviewing、um, tech stars, I L. So she has this philosophy or thesis that like if you want to be good at both, like you want to be like a operator for three years. And then investor for three years, and either switch back and forth, or doing it at the same time, then you will be really great at both. Well, I don't know about three years. You know, once you you raise money and do a startup, usually by the time you get to some kind of M and A or exit is seven years, right? Yeah.、Uh, so I was an operator for seven to eight years before I sold my company,、um, and then I've been with X Factor right now for over two years now. So being an operator before definitely helps me in terms of、um, looking at every opportunity,、uh, every investment opportunity, and because you know at the you're more empathetic because you've been in their shoes because you know I've I've raised million dollars and I have like 150 investors say no to me so I know how it feels to be rejected on the other side.、Um, so every time we decide not to invest in a company, we actually give. Uh, really good feedback as to why、um, we decided to pass, and we may be wrong, right? Down the road, we may look back and say we made a wrong decision. But at that point, it's only fair to the invest、uh, to the、uh, entrepreneur that we give them our、um, real uncensored feedback, like why we decided to walk away. So, going back to your point, being an operator, it's It's very important. It brings in a different、uh, lens when you are、um, looking at an opportunity. I agree, and then you can ask those questions, like you know, when you're at that stage, you know, you came, you came across those same problems, then you'd be like, oh, have you thought about these? Because I experienced the same problems at that stage, right? Right, right, and 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 also being an operator, you know. The the upside is we're more empathetic because we've been in their shoes, but the downside is we also have a high standard because we've been we've been there, done that before, right? And it's like a double edged sword. So I actually wrote an article on on Medium about why it's so important for、uh, founders to build trust right at the very beginning of the relationship. The the moment you start pitching, you need to start building trust. And and I get really annoyed when people show up to the meeting late. You know, when I was pitching the investors, I will never be late because that's very disrespectful towards the you know the time of the other party. So the moment someone is disrespectful of my time, it's very hard for me to、uh, continue the conversation.、Mm. What are the three? I guess it doesn't have to be three, but what are the big don'ts? Okay, you mentioned disrespecting your time. What what else? Yeah, being disrespectful of my time, and two,、um, going back to that previous example, like trust and being transparent. Right? If you if you have raised money before and you're not updating your existing investors, they they don't know what's going on. When I'm doing due diligence, things like this will come out. You know, and then 
An example is like, I will do due diligence. I will go to the existing investors, say, hey, what do you think of this company? And they're like, I don't know. They're raising money. They didn't even tell me. I don't know. <laughs> um, so that's really a bad sign. Um, and then I would say the, the third thing is really hone in on the metrics that is so important to your particular industry, right? For example, you know, I used to run subscription commerce. When you're running subscription commerce, there are really crucial numbers like churn, um, month over month growth. Um, um, so those are really important. Lifetime value, you know, cost per acquisition. Those are very important. Uh, when if you assess, there's another set of metrics that you really need to be, be good at. So first of all, you really need to understand what, what are the metrics that are key um, to your business because investors are mostly very data-driven. And two, once you know those numbers, don't flip-flop. Don't keep on flip-flopping on those numbers. You mean flip-flopping, you mean like changing one metrics versus another or do you like... Like the first conversation, you know, the first conversation, um, the founder may say, oh, our cost per acquisition is only $20, okay? And then after you do due diligence, I usually will go back and ask the same question because I do take notes. Yeah. And then they'll come back and say, no, 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 our cost per acquisition is actually $100. I'm like, no. Okay. So that's also <laughs> the transparency thing, right? Either transparency yeah. or... Or they don't really know what they're talking about. They just make up a number. <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> I and I do, I do think a lot of startups actually don't know those numbers. Exactly. Yeah. They don't. And they just make up something as they go. And I actually appreciate the ones that actually admit that, like, to be honest, we haven't been tracking. Which yes. is... Okay, <laughs> I'd rather okay. hear that. <laughs> then we can figure something out. Let's exactly. start tracking now. <laughs> exactly. Or, or you can tell me, I don't know, but I will come back to you in a couple of days to give you a number, you know. Mm -hmm. Instead of pulling a number out of a hat and then the next conversation, you're pulling another number out of your hat. Um, yep. and, and that's going back to should you know do i will i will i trust you over time you know probably yeah, yeah. i i do um uh, i guess another thing that i'm wary of is also like i i guess with finclusive we invest in underestimated founders and that actually a lot of time founders that like uh probably have too low of a about i don't i don't want to say too low of evaluation but almost they they are not the type that are like super people person and they can like hype up stuff so yeah. well I actually get a little bit nervous when I see someone that's like can talk so super well <laughs> at, at least like if I don't know like it's just like can I really trust this person I don't sometimes I think about that I don't know yeah that's why I um I, I don't disagree there, there are people who are you know their natural talent is they pitch really mm -hmm. well um and they paint a really attractive vision. And, um, and at the end of the conversation, you know, I want to get on your boat, you know, I want to write yeah. you a check right now. After, you know, after two to three years with X Factor, I always give myself a 48 hours test. After 48 hours, am I still as excited? Yeah. And that's a good one. do I still remember what you pitched me? 
Yeah, because you, yeah. you and I see opportunities all the time, right? Like, mm-hmm. but forty-eight hours later, if you ask me, "Oh, what did you see three days ago?" I probably can only tell you, like, maybe out of ten, I can only probably tell you one or zero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I know X Factor. I what I really love about X Factor is that you only need one conviction, and you mentioned earlier, like you know, in early stage startup, you guys. You know, there's not much to look at other than trust. Is you do really believe in the founder? Do you really believe that the market is that big? Do you really think that there's a trend that's going to go there? Are they the right team to mm-hmm. do this? Right? Um, can you talk a bit about some of the convictions that you had and like what, why? It's the opposite of the previous question. Like, what are the don'ts and like what what happened there that like gave you that conviction? So here's a latest investment, uh, an example. Um, I got to know the founder in March of uh, 2020, right before COVID. Okay, and um, I really like what she's doing. She's in Texas. You know, Texas doesn't have like a big pool of investors in Houston. Uh, but I really, I really like her market. I was worried that she might not be able to raise. But she kept on updating me her progress, you know, because I didn't say no. I said I really like her space, but because of COVID, uh, fundraising has also slowed down. Uh, it affected her business, but she didn't give up. You know, every few months she'll ping me. She's like, "Oh, I have news for you. You know, we close a client. It doesn't need to be I close a round. You know, I, I close another check. I uh, we close a pilot. You know, mm-hmm. and." Over the last one year, we just kept in touch, and a couple of weeks ago, her fundraising picked up, and I was really impressed with her grit and her hustle, and she really didn't give up. Um, because to me, you know, being an entrepreneur, entrepreneur before is I literally describe is you wake up and eat glass every day, twenty four seven. Remember, you're the person who says that. Yeah, every time. And, Yes, and um, I was very impressed with her tenacity, and um, and that was one company that you know I was very convinced that she will do well down the road. Um, so we decided to write a check. Another example, um, another founder who also kept in touch with me over the last one year. We didn't do uh, the deal. Or invest in the opportunity is not because of her. Um, is I wasn't convinced in the space because I have seen a couple of failures in the space. A lot of a uh, couple of startups has tried, not successful, and some of them are you know close friends of mine, and I know really intimate details in that space. So, you know, so I decided to walk away. It's not because of the founder. She had a lot of tenacity, a lot of hustle in her, but it's the, generally the space that I was not convinced that um, it could be cracked. Yeah, so that's a don't. It's, it's because of the market. Yeah, I think a lot of time we forget about how important the market is. Oh, to, yeah. Yeah, we, we say how we look at founders, but then the market also yeah, for me personally, my own personal framework, you know, I'm also learning from other investors that, you know, my own personal framework is the top priority is market, then the team, then the product in that order. Because if your market is not big enough, 
it doesn't give you a lot of chance to pivot, right? And you need to have the right team to able to pivot. Yep. So, um, so those are my order: market, team, then product. Yeah, because the product you can always reiterate with the with the right people. Um, yeah. We one of our companies also like during COVID, like everything went to zero, and then they were, it took them two weeks to and then to decide on pivoting on something else, mm-hmm. and then like that actually really helped them because now they know it's you know they when they had nothing they had to go do something, something. And yeah then they did something it worked and then they just like oh my gosh this is now they know they ha- what they ha- have to focus on right mm-hmm. um but i i did read somewhere too that um it's not like people talk about you know the biggest success fa- factors for investing like you know people talk about the founder the founder a lot but it's at the end of the day like how quick the team can pivot Yes. So that's related to the market, right? Like, and and now I feel like, you know, after COVID, everyone's like thinking like how fast things change. And I think the ability to adapt and pivot is yeah. that more important. Yeah. And the reason why I say that is through also personal experience. You know, I've been in the founding, all my friends are all founders, you know, that's a sad thing, actually. Uh, <laughs> um you know, you can you can see some companies who are very successful. It's because they caught the right market at the right time, right? You're surfing the wave. Your team doesn't need to be awesome, but because the wave, you're catching the wave at the right time. Mm. And I've seen that happen too. So market and timing is very important. Yeah, yeah, it's, yes. And it's, it's luck. Too. So I mean, I guess that's market. Yeah. <laughs> the luck is, you know, when hard work meets opportunities, and and then that's what happens. So my question is: so then some people say that X Factor only invests in a team that only have women in there, mm-hmm. and we've got that. I mean, I'm asking this question because we went through Clubhouse, and there's <laughs> people like, uh, don't you think that you're discriminating, man? Okay. <laughs> Um, I don't see it that way. I see it as we're leveling the playing field. I don't see it as discriminating, you know, just per my personal story, right? I had a hard time raising my series A. And at that time I was, you know, making five, six million ARR, you know, um, and my pers- my investors were like, there's no reason why you can't raise an A. You know, their conclusion, um, they came back to me as like, well, you know, I've been rejected because an investor said before that I don't have Ivy League education. I didn't go to Stanford, MIT. I will not be able to raise money. Um, you know, I'm a solo founder, female. Yes, I was an engineer. I built my own site on Ruby on Rails. I'm an immigrant. I have a weird name. Nobody knows how to pronounce. Um, so the conclusion my investors came uh, came to was I check all the boxes that, you know, um, that investors should walk away. Um, and it's just too bad, right? And that's why I do not believe it is the word discrimination is the right word to use I would say is leveling the playing field because anyone with a big dream with the right grit can make money it's not just to some white dudes with a hoodie who go to Stanford 
And that's actually um, looking at the diversity.vc report. That's that is the typical VC back startup. It's too male <laughs> with a hoodie. Silicon Valley, <laughs> yes, in their twenties. Those yeah. are the typical founders' profile. And I guess a company that we we're kind of recently looking at together, uh, fairly AI, right? You know, if AI AI is just really another system that mm-hmm. we're kind of training it for the real world. If our real world have a system that is already this way. Then what are some of the AI, like the AIs are going to just copy, replicate the same? Oh, like this is what a typical VC back founders yes. <laughs> like. And yeah. if I'm just going to have AI to look through all the deck and it's like, oh, this is this is anomaly. So we're just going to be rejecting it. Yes, yes, yes. No. Anomaly is the right word. I fall, I fall in the anomaly bucket. That's why I had a hard time raising money. And it's just not me. If you talk to, you know, other expected partners who, you know, all of them face their own challenges. And again, what we're trying to do is to level the playing field. It's not at all discriminating. And I actually find that very funny, a man saying yeah. <laughs> it is discriminating. Yes. I, I feel like he he really should have looked at some stats. Like we really were asked that question on stage. And I, I want you to share what that investor told you, why she wasn't giving you the money. She said it was because you didn't go to an Ivy League school. school. Yeah. You're, and she said, you're never going to be able to raise. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. seven years later, I sold my company. Yeah. And she never gave you money, right? Nope. nope. And then... I think it's, I, I think it's just crazy that like, you know you think that it would come from another like it. It's not even coming from another man. Yeah, it's from another woman. So how you can see this? I, I feel like this unconscious bias is not just from you know like sometimes we think it's like oh like men stick with men and women stick with women, but I think it's. It's just us in general, general sense, like a lot of us have unconscious bias that, you know, it's not that women are going to be supporting women, <laughs> which I, I do think we should do more of. That's the reason I'm doing this podcast, too, is because of these stories. I feel like it really needs to be told because I didn't know about the funding inequity until 2019 mm-hmm. in the VC world, like. I didn't know about the 2% thing. And then, you know, I, my, I, you know, people talk about women in tech all the time, but then in getting funded, it's even worse. And then the VC percentage also super low. Yeah. So it's a, you know, it's a vicious cycle that needs to be broken. And honestly, uh, there's still a lot of work to be done. But if you, if I compare the landscape, the investment, the investment startup landscape, it has tremendously, tremendously improved over the last 10 years. But we're not there yet. Um, there's still a lot, work, a lot of work to be done. But I can see with my own eyes that there's definitely more attention uh, to uh, female founders, minority founders, like you said, underestimated founders. Yeah. What type of companies do you um, invest in mostly? 
I know X Factor, just anything. I know you guys in, invested in like pots and pans or something. One, you told me one time. Oh, we, we, <laughs> we invest in uh, web industry agnostics. So we have invested in companies that launch satellites into space. Mm. Uh, we also invested in company that is uh, a new flying, um, I don't even call it a technology or vehicle. It's, pretty much shorten your flight time by a hundred times. So those are very, you yeah. know, tacky, deep you know, tech. deep tech and, you know, out, out of the box. We all the way down to uh, consumer packaged goods like CPG products, like, you know, um, we invested in Tinted, which is a makeup company. We invested in our place, which is a eight in one pot. Um, so and that's supposed we, to be doing really good, right? Oh, they are yeah, doing fantastic! And everyone well. was saying last time you were telling like nobody, everybody is like saying no. Why are we investing in that? Yeah, I've noticed that you know all the you know with X Factor it is um, single conviction. Um, the ones that attracts the most uh, conversations and uh -huh. pushbacks are actually the ones that are doing the best. Yeah. I, I think that's what I heard from a lot of VCs. So that's something to watch for. Like, so at the end of the day, when we cannot really decide with your own investment team, it's like, okay, why don't we just go yes? Because we, we did spend like three hours talking about this. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of debate, you know, and the debate is great because I, you know, I thought I was fully convicted in one of the opportunities. Um, and there were some questions raised, which, you know, I have blind spots, you know, I, mm -hmm. I never thought about, okay, those areas. And after thinking about the questions a lot, and, you know, going back to the founder, I wasn't convinced after that. Mm. So debate is great. Yeah. So that at the end of the all of all the debate, if there's no one person that would be willing to be like, no, this is really we got to do this, then it's like, okay no but then even after all of that discussion and like all the blind spots are being seen and then there's like somebody that's like i really really see it just right. you guys don't see it because you don't have the experience yeah you guys go in and that's why i really i really love that um process that your investment process so then personally what do you invest in what are you most um have experienced like what do you like to invest in sector wise yeah so uh i like it's really funny you know i was when i joined x factor um i thought i would have invested in not a lot more uh, my background is d2c and b2b2c um, because and especially in the subscription commerce space um, and i'm very passionate about anything that is part of the e-commerce stack that will optimize e-commerce, whether it's through marketing or operations or supply chain, right? It turned out not to be that way. <laughs> um, the first one is I think supply chain uh, uh, to uh, democratize and actually improve um, the food supply distribution chain. Because, you know, given that I've ran Look With Food in the past, working with a lot of uh, different brands, uh, food distribution is a problem and is monopolized by two big players. Um, and that needs to be broken. 
So that was my first investment because I know that space really well. Mm. Yeah. And then uh, the second investment is FinTech that we invested together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. M-Tech. It's doing well. M-Tech. Go into it with Series A soon. But yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I, uh, I also like FinTech because, you know, before I was an entrepreneur, I was a financial software engineer. So I deal with a lot of FinTech staff plus compliance, Sabine Oxley, a very boring but quiet mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. industry. So I personally also like fintech. Um, and the third bucket, which I am passionate about, is actually the aging space. Mm. Because I see a big gap. One, yeah. where a lot of technology startups are not focusing on the aging market. Yeah. Silver tech, that's what they call it. Yeah, <laughs> or silver tech, yeah, or aging awesomely or something, you know. Because, <laughs> you know, seeing my own parents getting old, getting sick, I'm just amazed that there's really nothing out there to help them. And selfishly, I'm getting old too. I don't want to get old one day and there's like, oh, there's no technology there to help, help me. Um, so that's more of a selfish reason yeah i mean i think the market is huge in silver tech i mean there are and also i think even the the first one that you mentioned on logistic and i i really like kind of like the unsexy space oh yeah (laughs) yes people don't look at it as much and you know you don't think about it, and then you just make it better. Um, and it's yeah. it, and it's actually making a difference in the world. Yeah, so. the unsexy space is also uh, not talked about, right? Like for example, the food distribution. Like, do people actually know how does the food get transported from the food maker to Whole Foods? Yeah. Not many people know that, right? Nope, nope. Um, and and then like logistics and transportation, like because I know how difficult it is to do the last mile. So I've been always looking at you know any companies that's trying to disrupt the last mile industry or even the first mile. Like I was looking at a company which was first mile where they are uh, a shipping company. They're trying to disrupt the shipping process where. You know, a lot of products are made in China. How does it get on the ship to be shipped to the U.S. or around the world? So I'm also very passionate about last mile and first mile. Because all this, all this are part of e-commerce. It's not just the buying experience. It's how do the products get to um, the destination? So the first now is like getting out of the door for the manufacturer, yes. what you're saying. And then the is like getting Correct. to the consumer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. That um, I actually didn't know that terminology. Did you- <laughs> yeah. I, I, I. That also mainly comes from you know my own e-commerce experience, right? I see a lot of okay. The last mile is broken. Food. Uh, the food distribution is broken. Um, uh, first mile is also broken. Oh, it's not broken. It's just very antiquated. It's time to get you know. Th- th- there needs to be some disruption in those space. Totally and. And I think it's all like even it's interesting because like even the sectors that you're looking at are also underestimated too. It's <laughs> it's like people don't look at it. It's like overlooked. And you know, 
underestimate and overlook. So even sectors, like not just founders. And then I think then you get outsized return because then like people are like, oh, actually doing so good now. And like, you know, because not as many people fight over those those companies or founders. Um, anyway, so uh, my final question for you, um, it's also, re- I guess, regarding to our values. So how important is team for, I guess I, I already mentioned, we talked about team a bit. Um, for a founder to be able, like the difference between a um, founder mm-hmm. versus a CEO. Yeah. So what do you think the difference is? And like, how, how do they, regarding to team, what, uh, what, do you, what do you, what came to mind? Yeah, that's a very good question. I spend a lot of my time mentoring founders to become CEO because a lot of people actually, one, they're not prepared and two, they don't know there is a difference, right? It is easy to found a company. Let's just put it that way. You know, you can create a pitch deck, come up with some kind of MVP, you know, pitch your vision and raise, let's say, half your first seed round, right? Uh, but after that, this, how do you sustain and at the same time grow and also build the right culture for the business? It's like you need to start planting seeds in all the different areas like culture, operations-wise, you know, uh, picking the right system so that you're not, your systems, your data is not all over the place. All those require... Um, one, most of, like for me, I learn on the job, right? Um, and, and two, I talk to a lot of my investors who have been entrepreneurs before. So they've been like coaching me. Um, so the idea of CEO coaching came from one of my investors. He led my first round and he told me that he said, I'm going to write you this check and lead your first round. But what I need you to promise me is have lunch with me once a month. And at that time, I thought, wow, you know what? Free coaching and free money. Not, I guess not really free money. You get, she get it back. <laughs> yeah, and free meal, right? <laughs> but I was, I was, actually, I didn't think a lot about it at that time. But that was actually the best thing that ever happened to me for that seven years I was a CEO. Mm. Because that's when I realized... After you raise money, what's next? You know, you need to grow a business. And that is where the CEO role comes in, right? Mm. You need to not just uh, thought about, think about growth. You need to know how to hire the right people. Uh, you know, you need to make sure that, you know, you build culture the right way from the very beginning. Um, and... And I was very lucky to have a CEO coach right from the beginning. So I'm trying to do the same with, you know, founders that I'm uh, invested in. And at the same time, you know, if those that I didn't invest in, but I'll be more happy to help uh, founders do the transition and understand what's the difference. Oh, and then one last thing, which is very important that because I didn't know a lot of things when I was an entrepreneur, but I was willing to be coach, right? So one of the things that I do look for in founders is are they coachable? Mm. That's very important. Yeah, for sure. Like if if I've had uh, definitely have founders that I want to, you know, even if I wasn't going to invest in, I was going to help them, but then they were so 
against anything that I was saying. You know, even when I feel like even if you don't like my feedback, it's okay to just be receptive and just be respectful about it. But if you are so like, there's one thing to um, be very gritty and just like believe in what you're doing. But then there's something else to like, just not take any feedback. It's just, I'm going to do this. Even though you tell me anything about a market, I'm just going to do this. Like, you know, um, so yeah, coachable, coachability is very important. So thanks for sharing that. Is there anything else that I, um, that I didn't ask that you want to share? I think we covered a lot the last three times. <laughs> <laughs> I know I asked all the same questions, but then the last thing that I want to ask is um, how can whoever that, you know, that's listening can help you to do whatever it is that you're trying to change in the world? Um, so I'm always looking for new opportunities, right? Uh, businesses, startups that are disrupting especially in an area that is very antiquated, Um, you know, and to me, pitch as men is pitching to investors is a numbers game. And when you get rejected, all I can say is don't take it, you know, too hard because it is a numbers game. I've been rejected more than a hundred times, you know, and, um, and that's normal. Yeah. Um, As I said, Starting a business is a lifestyle change. It is not a career change. Yeah. You are waking up eating glass every day. <laughs> so you chose that path and the path of rejection is part of the game. So everybody, you can go pitch um, Iwi because she's going to help you. <laughs> That's what she's <laughs> I'll try to help as much as I can. <laughs> but you might also get a no from me. <laughs> All right. Thank you for for your time.